A palm of violets, a trick or a treat. If there's not an R in the month, can I still eat Mulfreet? Listeners, you'll remember a couple of weeks ago that Ollie and I, sitting here in our berets and our stripy tops and our (laughs) onion necklaces, wondered what those French people thought that we English people were like. And Matt said, I went to university in France for a year and we asked a French friend what his view of English people was and he said that the French think the English eat a lot of green jelly. I guess we do compared to other nationalities, I don't know. Maybe compared to France. Maybe French people only like red jelly. I bet compared to America we eat a lot less green jelly, or as mm. they call it their jello. Yeah. There was a band called Green Jello slash Jelly, wasn't there? Yeah. Featuring Maynard James Keenan of Tool singing about uh, Little Pigs. It's good to start the episode with all these mainstream references. <laughs> <laughs> Says Matt, our French friend didn't expand further on this, but he found it hilarious. <laughs> we did not. So I'm not sure if he was representing the French as a whole or if he was just a bit crazy. He did live in his car for a few months. <laughs> okay, good detail. But, eating red jelly. Well, it's a very difficult uh, vehicle in which to make jelly. Indeed. You probably just have to eat it in the concentrated blocks. W- would you have uh, liked to have spent a year of your university education in France? I'm not sure what good it would do, seeing as I was studying English. I was always quite envious of students who got to spend a year in a foreign university, but I'm not sure I would have chosen France. It's a bit too close to be exotic. I would have Uh. maybe gone for Italy. That's about as close as I'd have gone, I think. Mm -hmm. My mum spent a year in Italy when she was 18, came back with a pot plant she still has now. Really? Yeah. Wow. And I'd think, well, that's lasted a long time. It's just worth it for the plant, isn't it? Well, the plant, the Colosseum, they make things to last there. (laughs) Hello, it's Steve from Bournemouth. Hello, Nolly. Please answer me this. I've just downloaded a, a copy of Citizen Kane legally, I might add, and it is a universal suitable for all. I was just wondering, is there any connection between the universal category and Universal Studios film productions? Do you really wonder if there's a connection? Are you actually completely mental? <laughs> Why would there be a connection? It's just a word, isn't it? That's like saying, is there a connection between... Universal and everything. Yeah. Because ev- it's universal. Between Kurt Cobain's band Nirvana and the Dalai Lama. That's what you're basically <laughs> saying. They just share the word. They share the concept that something's available for everyone. What about Courtney Cox and Courtney Love? <laughs> no? So the Universal Studios brand was chosen because... It's a good brand name universal everyone would be interested in the incredible hollywood products they were going to make in a way that's the same as the universal rating yes but it's referring to the everybody in a adjectival way correct no link apart from the meaning of the word itself i think that maybe there ought to be some kind of shading on universal rating because you get a (laughs) u-rated film and you think it's for kids yes citizen kane i don't think any five-year-old's going to be sitting there going Oh, I wonder what that rosebud is. Oh, he burned bright, but in a horrible way. They're not going to look at the whirling newspapers going, Mogul, dead, but what do we think of him? With any pleasure, are they? That's the best uh, description of the film Citizen Kane I've ever heard. You needn't see it now. Helen's done all the work. Yeah, don't bother. Citizen Kane, important prick. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying, not a kid's film. It's not, no. But it is suitable for children in the sense that they'll fall asleep in front of it rather than have nightmares forever. You <laughs> no, see, they so won't. In that way. They'll scream and scream and scream, and the only way kids do when they see a black and white film is yeah. on. <laughs> um, there did used to be a UC certificate. Mm, what uh, did that mean? So that was kind of along the lines that you were suggesting, actually. Mm. Uh, it was to indicate that it was a universal film. But, but boring it, for children. But, no, 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 oh. but it definitely wouldn't be Citizen Kane. Boring for adults, so, then. Yeah. <laughs> so UC meant this is a film that's suitable to leave your child watching alone. 
so there's no scary bits there's no peril it's just incredibly tedious and bright colours okay like Care Bears they phase that out now it doesn't exist anymore so they only have you which it does have the issue that you suggested I'm wondering how parents make it through a lot of kids films at the cinema yeah. like Ice Age 3 or something do you take a book do you just play on your phones while the kids are watching these things with rapt attention I did actually watch a whole episode of What's It's House the other day Grandma's house? No. <laughs> uh, children's character, Mr. Bum Bumfund or something he's called. He's on uh, CBeebies. Mr. Bumfund. Oh, what's his name? Tickles? Mr. Tingles? Mr. Tipsy's house? I don't know what he's saying. Parents listening will be screaming at their iPod because everyone knows. He's like it's the biggest... Mr. Sexy Dungeon, Ollie! <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this guy, whatever his name is, is like the phenomenon of CBeebies. Yeah. And he's got this show called whatever the name of the character is, is House. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's kind of like a combination of like the Rod Hull and Emu show where people knock on the door and characters yeah. come in with like a bit of children interacting and dancing along to the songs. I think he's called Mr. Tickles. And... Um, <laughs> Anyway, Mr. Wandering. The, anyway, the point is right. I don't have kids, but I was in that hotel room in the Holiday Inn when we recorded the episode a few oh, weeks ago. And Total Wipeout wasn't on. <laughs> and I had 20 minutes spare. And uh, yes, obviously my mind drifted to that first. But, but then I thought. Two minutes later, you had 18 <laughs> minutes to spare. <laughs> and I thought, right, CBeebies, let's, let's have it. Let's have it. Let's watch it. I actually found it very entertaining. Finally, something catering to you. I'm not going to say it was like a multi layered show or anything, <laughs> but it was the, 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 the delight on the children's faces who dancing and joining in to Mr. Titwank or whatever he's called was just pure joy and pleasure that you don't see in adult entertainment I don't mean that well, kind of adult they're not, they're not <laughs> going to put the grumpy faced kids in shots well uh, from uh, one icon of uh, the screen to another uh, this is from Jennifer in Cheshire who says Helen answer me this is Hercule Poirot gay David Suchet the best Poirot of all time mm, it, says no he's not gay does he yeah but I always assumed that he was in the mould of bachelors of the period when gayness was illegal. Yes. And not well, so you're saying yes, basically, well, aren't you? You're saying, given today's circumstances, yes. You can't really be. imagine him being close to any person, hmm. man or woman. You can't imagine him in a sexual position of any kind or wanting Believe to Believe get... me, you've tried. <laughs> I have. I've drawn pictures, but he doesn't like to have hair out of place. Yeah. I don't think he would like the physical contact with man or woman, unless he could wear, like, a full-body white leather glove. Mm. Um, Unlike Marple, who's a right dirty slag. Well, Marple as well is a spinster. So maybe Agatha Christie only wanted to write people that did not have meaningful relationships. So maybe Marple was a lesbian, maybe Poirot was of gay man so closeted by society and himself his own unwillingness to accept the fact of homosexuality mm. is that he never even admitted it to it himself so in a way it's, it's good for all these characters to be closeted or oppressed or whatever because it means that they're they're completely obsessed with finding the murderer maybe agatha christie just likes to keep poirot's private life out of the main narrative because it's not relevant you want poirot to be kind of above the the petty problems that cause people to murder and do the other things that he's investigating but maybe he just gets on with it in between novels she had to write books that old women would borrow from libraries mm. and they couldn't have sex in so they didn't but actually if Agatha Christie were alive now and she were writing Poirot now we would know what his sexuality was wouldn't yeah. we and it's not that it's better to not know it isn't it would be better to know it would be, it's more interesting from one perspective to know isn't it I think maybe because Agatha Christie's own first marriage at least was very unhappy perhaps she just did not want to dwell on people's romantic lives yeah, but you see the very fact that you know that piece of knowledge though demonstrates well no yeah no no I should but what I'm saying is it demonstrates the fact that we want to all always approach everything from a psychoanalytical perspective well i think this question is asked but i just don't personally read the books and think 
I wish I knew what was going on inside Poirot's pants. <laughs> it helps you understand, like, okay, Anne Whittacombe, I've been watching her talk about gay marriage, right? What, a, what does she know? Right. So when I'm watching her talk about gay marriage, what I'm thinking from the modern sort of 21st century perspective is I'm looking at her thinking, well, you're a very good talker. You're a very interesting character, but you're so sexually repressed. And? That's coming through in your character and your attitude to the subject. That's well, the overwhelming thing. You're a virgin. You're, whatever, 70 years old. And that's your perspective on it. And it's a warped perspective. It's, you, you can't sort of listen to Anne Whittacombe without thinking about that, I think. Well, also, she's not only sexually repressed, she has denied herself romantic relationships, which I think is a more important issue in understanding gay marriage, the idea that somebody long-term would commit to somebody else. Mm. In the same way, I just think if I met Poirot now, I'd, I, would want to, I wouldn't want to be there, Helen, but I'd want to know what's going on in his pants psychoanalytically. I'm Stuart from Welly Garden City, Helen and Ollie, up to this. Uh, I'm a teacher... Uh, I, I find very few words I can use to kind of uh, not insult children as such, but um, not, not, not so much put them down either, but to sort of just say, you know, you've done something silly. So I tend to use the word gunger uh, quite a bit. That doesn't seem to get too much uh, harm. And I did start using the phrase douchebag like they do in the films. Um, one of my colleagues sort of pointed out that douchebag isn't the most polite term since Haddington looked it up. Uh, I totally agree with him. Um, but having all the answers with this, what, what's worse, a donut or a douchebag? And have you got any idea where the phrase douchebag really came from? Well, let's examine what's worse. A word that means a fluffy fried cake or something that is used for washing out your interior cavities. Yes. I think the thing is, he's talking about insulting children. children. And I think when levelling insults at children, it's probably best not to do anything that conjures up issues about their weight or their genitals. So you failed on both counts here. Yeah. At least donut sounds quite lovable. Like, you know, East Enders going, oh, you donut. Yeah, like you mop it. Although donut puncher used to be an insult levelled at gay men in uh, less liberated times. No, to suggest mm. going up the bum. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. I will never eat a uh, Krispy Kreme again. I'm sorry to have done that. No, that's all right. They're bad for me. Well, he asks where douchebag comes from. He does, Helen. And he says, do I have any idea? Yes. I think a lot of people listening to this have an idea. So a douche, Stuart, is a device that people use to squirt water up into themselves, maybe into their anal cavity yeah. or into their vaginas mm. as a cleansing device. And it looks like a kind of rubber bag on the end of a turkey baster. The nature of his question, Helen, is how did this come... It's fairly obvious. Yes. How did this come to be an insult? <laughs> because it's a bag full of water that then, that then becomes water filled with your shit. Yes. Uh, Not flattering, is it, to be called that, Stuart? Think it through. Not really. But it's true, though, isn't it, that people, because of American films and frat boy comedies and that kind of thing, high school japes that we see on the telly from the States. The fratzos. Yeah, um, that should be a totally a brand of of potato chips. Yeah, or or cracker, like matzo for frat boys. Yeah, fratzos. Anyway, because of all that culture that we've seen on our telly from the States, Mm -hmm. the term douchebag has become very readily used and people probably don't think, even teachers probably don't really think about what it means when they say it. So I don't blame Stuart for using oh, it on children, and the kids wouldn't really be thinking about on. it either. Anyone of a teacher age knows that douchebag is worse than donut. Because <laughs> donut is something that you put in your mouth, whereas douchebag is something that you put up your crevice. Uh, I don't remember any of our teachers calling people douchebags or donuts or anything of the kind. Well, because we're in Tunbridge Wells. No, sometimes I was in Sevenoaks. But they wouldn't have used American phraseology, would they? I bet they didn't even say guys in Tunbridge Wells, did they? Well, they did on November the 5th. (laughs) (laughs) Oi, shut up and answer me this. Come on then. 
why don't you shut your ugly face? I'm not ugly, it's the condition. It's no condition, it's the tugginess, mate. Answer me this podcast at googlemail.com. Answer me this podcast at googlemail.com. Answer me this podcast at googlemail.com. Now, thank you. Seriously, though, go back to your own country. That's what we all think of, isn't it? It's what we all think Here's a question from Dave from Hampstead who says, I am a 40-year-old man who has had to face the fact that I only have about two or three haircuts left in me. Ah, uh, well. Compared to my old school friends, I've not had a bad innings. Good. But by next summer, it will either be the shaved head or a comb-over. Comb-over strikes me as the kind of thing that might be brought back in. Because mm. there are lots of things that have been revived that you think shouldn't be. Comb over maybe next. I couldn't believe how long the mullet was popular for. I wonder if anyone's ever shaved their head so that they could have a comb over for stylistic reasons. Yes, I bet. Like an anti mohawk I reckon 2014 is going to be the year of the fashionable comb over <laughs> and it's going to be awful. <laughs> anyway, Dave says, this week, the newspapers have been full of pictures of the Rolling Stones yeah. as they celebrate their 50th anniversary. They have. The photos show the band, including ex-member Bill Wyman, all sporting full heads of hair. So, Ollie, answer me this. What are the odds of finding five men of their advanced years without at least one of them being bald? What is their secret? <laughs> Apart from the incredible amounts of money they all have. Yeah, and uh, yeah, what's their secret? Drugs and uh, marrying underage girls. That's yeah. the secret. Keep your hair if you do that. I think there are probably lots of secrets under Keith Richards' hats as well. Uh, oh Including God. possibly a bald patch. But certainly not shampoo. The band shampoo would never fit under there. <laughs> it's so greasy, isn't it? And if I mean, he has got hair, but it looks a bit like he's saved up all of his hair that he's ever had cut off in the last 40 years <laughs> and sewn it into a wig. That's his secret. I would rather be bored than have his hair. Also, Charlie, he's... I mean, I know he's like 72 or something now, so fair enough. But he, he definitely is thinning. Well, he's got that kind of snowy white hair and naturally that's going to show a bit more scalp, but it's still decent coverage. Yeah, and but, also, it, but it is receding. It's not, it's not a full head of hair anymore. But with him, he seems the happiest of the stones to actually be his age yeah, and yeah, yeah. he looks like a retired bank manager and I think if he were genuinely going bald he'd be happy with it he wouldn't get a toupee he wouldn't take Rogaine he wouldn't get hair plugs whereas the rest of them probably would I mean Ronnie would he obviously dyes his hair who knows there could be some artificial bits woven in there easily yeah, yeah, yeah. it's such a nest the thing is what's hard to decipher with them is even though they've probably spent money on their looks the look they've spent money on getting is one mm. that looks like they haven't spent money on their looks because they're trying yeah. to look dishevelled. It's looking dishevelled like you've been having sex for three days straight rather than mm. you live in a box or <laughs> you, you can no longer take care of yourself without a carer. But I, but I think, Dave, you've, you've put your finger on something because... Uh, a bald patch. <laughs> yeah, not just your finger, you fit your whole fist on there soon. Um, because uh, according to research from Palaki University in the Czech Republic, oh. where I go for all my cutting-edge hair research, uh, 30% of men by the age of 30 and 50% by 50 can expect to be bald so it is roughly it roughly goes along with age and two-thirds by 60 so you'd think at least three but probably four rolling stones currently living should be bald yeah because they're between like 60 and 75 so you're looking at two-thirds definitely should be i reckon weaves you know they've got the money well i googled this and oh, yeah. the belgravia center which is that place oh. that always advertises for men that are going bald yeah i hate their ads because they say we specialize only in hair loss and always huh? think you've, ri you've written that piece of script the wrong way around. Your radio ad should say, we only specialise in hair loss. Not we specialise only in hair loss. So don't ask us about your teeth. Yeah, exactly. Or why don't Sounds they, like they're deficient. Why don't they put it positively? We specialise in getting your hair back yeah, to its best. Exactly. 
Honestly, sometimes advertising copywriters just don't know they're born. Like we saw this really weird advert on the train today, which uh, was from Nando's and kind of suggested that their food would give you diarrhoea unless you had it plain. Yeah, but not, not in a way that was endearing to no. the product. It's nice to see they're being factually accurate about their food. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, yes. Uh, the, the Belgravia Centre. Yeah, Bel- yeah. Them. yeah, they posted a blog on this subject. Uh-huh. Uh, and I quote from the article... Either they, the Rolling Stones, mm. are blessed with incredibly good genes. What are the odds? Or the group have a secret weapon. Mm. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink, that is, isn't it? Isn't that kind of taking credit for it? They've very cleverly done that. Yeah. So that you think, oh, have they been to the Belgravia Centre? Oh, but the Belgravia Centre are too discreet to actually say. Yeah. Oh, but they're not because they've done a blog with a big picture of them all. They win either way in that scenario. Have you seen the new single? Or heard the no. new single, I should say. It is music. I I don't think I've heard any of the singles since Love Is Strong in the mid nineties. Yeah, I, I haven't heard any since that one where they covered KD Lang, but at first denied that they had covered KD Lang, and then paid KD Lang for covering KD Lang. Although oh, no one fancy. really knew why they covered KD Lang, because why would you cover KD Lang? Um, but um, they, I heard this one. Weirdly, YouTube showed me an ad for Dappy's album first. Not an obvious brand match. What crossover who, who, is there? Who's Dappy? Out of the end dubs. He's Martin. in the end dubs. He gets his knob out Beatles. on Twitter. He wears woolly hats. And Dappy's already got a shaven head, and he's only about twenty-five. Yeah, good point, yeah. I mean, he, he's done one video where Brian May's in it for five seconds to get some money. Brian May's in all the young people's videos. But it's still not much crossover with the Stones, I didn't Probably think. raising money for his badger charity. Has Brian May still got all his own hair? Is that real? It's hard yes, to know. There's no way you could fake that. No, no pay for that. Just a massive wig. Yeah. It's glorious. Imagine the badgers that could hide in there from the colours. <laughs> um... It's quite good, their new single. It's alright, it? yeah. Is doom it? and gloom, it's called. Does it sound like Start Me Up, but it's going doom and gloom, do 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 doom and gloom. It's not far off, actually. You give me doom and gloom. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not far off. Okay. Doom and gloom, why do you taste so good? It's just some doom away. It's just some gloom away. <laughs> um, a Facebook friend of mine the other day, comedian Rich Sandling, was complaining that he'd gone to see a Beatles tribute band and the Paul McCartney tribute did not play left-handed. <laughs> now, I would contend that it's probably better to get somebody who sounds and plays like Paul McCartney in all other respects rather than get somebody who's naturally right-handed to try and play left-handed yeah. because that's not going to sound good. Well, I was personally very disappointed that he didn't divorce the Heather Mills uh, tribute act at the same time <laughs> that Paul McCartney got divorced as well. I was very disappointed that the uh, John Lennon and George Harrison tribute acts did not show up. I'm, I'm very disappointed the Django Reinhardt tribute act had four fingers. <laughs> It's an interesting point, actually. I wonder when you're a tribute act that is paying tribute to a band when they're at the height of their powers, mm. do you age with the act? If you see what I mean, that would be a good uh, set of on stage prosthetics, wouldn't it? Because if, like, for example, if you've been an Elton John tribute act for the last thirty years, you've roughly aged with Elton John. Do you get the hair plugs? And I, <laughs> yeah, maybe you do. <laughs> As his voice has got deeper, though, yeah. um, yours has probably got deeper too. Naturally, so that's fine. Yes, but. Uh, if you're an act that is much, much older than you to begin with, do you like with a Beatles tribute act? Presumably they're paying tribute to the Beatles in 1972, not not Paul McCartney playing Glastonbury at the age of 70. <laughs> not Paul McCartney looking like Pauline Collins. Yeah. <laughs> so where, where do, you, do you see what I mean? Where yeah. do you stop adapting with the act and start saying, OK, actually, they've gone a bit off the boil, but I'm going to be him when he could really well, still sing Hey Jude? I think it's like Joan Collins. She's stuck with her look from her 80s heyday. Mm. You stick with your favourite period of say Elvis visually but you can choose the songs from any time like Michael Jackson that Mm. must have been really hard for tribute acts do they bleach the skin I think probably people pretend that the bad stuff doesn't happen because a tribute act it's not the same but at least you can erase the bad stuff Mm. I think it's quite hard for people like um I read some interviews with um Posh and Bex impersonators who get paid somehow to do public appearances and there was that period in 
the mid noughties where they were always changing their hair. So the impersonators had to spend thousands every month on maintaining hair extensions, very expensive. And one of them had to get breast implants put in and then Ooh, taken out. Right, yes. Yeah. It's not worth it when you've got surgery involved. I'll tell you who would be fun to be a lookalike for. Not- Leonardo DiCaprio. Why? Because you can just be a bit bloaty and yeah. greasy and wear a baseball cap. Because if you've been with him for 20 years, because it means you were a good-looking teenager, so you got lucky then. You know, you were playing this sort of hot guy that was like the big Hollywood A-lister, and now you can do whatever the hell you like. Bit of a belly, be a slightly unconvincing adult, but somehow it doesn't matter because you still get work. Well, that is being whatever Leonardo DiCaprio. Like. It's not yeah. being his lookalike. <laughs> How many social networks are you on? Friendster, part you pawn, MySpace, Ping, and Google Buzz. If you want to be our pal, go to this URL: Facebook.com/AnswerMeThis or Twitter.com/HelenAndDolly. But please don't follow us in real life. Please, listeners, uh, keep us up to date with uh, your thoughts, the ones at least that phrase themselves as questions, mm. uh, by giving us a call. Uh, you can Skype answer me this, or you can ring this number. Oh two oh eight one two three five eight double seven. And you can leave us a voicemail like this one. Hi, it's Beth from London. Um, I was out in a club last week, and a boy gave me his phone number as he was leaving, written on a five-pound note. And I thought this was a pretty douchey thing to do. So me and my boyfriend had a had a little jolly laugh at it and I decided to text him, assuming he'd be a bit of a douche. Actually, he's a really nice boy and I don't know how to tell him that I have a boyfriend and I was just being a bitch. What should I do? Spend the £5 note, forget it ever happened. <laughs> Actually, that whole £5 note thing is a really interesting technique mm. um, because it's it's not just saying call me, but it's actually paying the the phone calls. That's very it's, generous. It's sort of like a, it's the version of giving them a stamped address envelope, isn't it? Really? <laughs> isn't it kind of slightly like insulting the person you're giving the money to? Well, because it has insinuations of sort of stuffing £10 into yeah. ladies' knickers. Well, check me out. I'm doing pretty well for myself. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't use post-its. I use fivers. <laughs> yeah. I wonder how this man has demonstrated a completely different character just in the course of text messages. We don't know what conversation they had when they were in the club together. Possibly they didn't say anything. Yeah. So, you know, he's probably given more character away than he gave smiling at her across the dance floor and then stuffing a fiver in her purse. I think the difficulty here is that because your boyfriend, Beth, is in on the gag... It's a, bit, a little bit cruel, isn't it? It? It, yeah, mm. it's bullying. Two it, against one. It sort of is, and actually, the, if you're being honest with yourself, it seems to me, since you've been moved to call us about this, you may be quite fancy this guy mm. now, like knowing that he likes you and that he's got a nice personality. And actually, it's not just as much about telling him that you've got a boyfriend, but it's maybe the difficult yourself. thing is that your boyfriend is involved in this guy that you actually quite like. What's the implication, therefore, of best question? Is she saying he's a nice guy, so I want to be friends with him? No. Okay, in that case, just stop the textual conversation because you have a boyfriend and you don't intend to pursue it but if you want to be friends with him you could just say oh my boyfriend and I and some friends are going to this thing next week you should come along yes that's one way of doing and it and it's not a group sex thing it's just a group thing <laughs> we, we don't know what she said but I, I, I'm guessing by the fact that she wanted to wind him up or tease him that maybe she texted him back with something a bit racy yeah that's true isn't it in a, so maybe in a sort of sodomic I've been looking way. at your fiver all day you love Bart you, oh, God, don't try and flirt it's horrible <laughs> sorry I was looking at Martin when I said that it's almost uh, to mix money metaphors a kind of 50 cent type behaviour this <laughs> isn't it this is like what a, this is what a bling rapper would do hand out notes or to mix other money metaphors 
Rodders. It's not what Ezra Pound would do. <laughs> Might be what Roger Sterling from Mad Men does. Oh, no. Uh, Penny Lancaster, Rod Stewart wouldn't allow this. <laughs> Here's a question from Rosie in Glasgow, who says, my boyfriend and I were decadently eating buttered crumpets and jam in bed the other morning. Even the importance of being earnest or something. Ah, you just, you just crumbs all over the pillow and Crumpets things. aren't very crummy, but then there is the That's possibility true. of greasy drips. Greasy drips, and yeah. And greasy fingers after. We may or may not have had clothes on, Rosie continues. Oh, no, crumpets <laughs> are not a sex food. Uh, we made a link, Helen, nonetheless. But uh, did. Between, <laughs> between the whole-filled breakfast item and a fanciable man or woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, we made a few for what a lovely bit of crumpet type jokes to each other. In perverse Cockney accent. <laughs> Only someone from Glasgow could call the Cockney accent actually perverse. <laughs> uh, which, as you might imagine, was very funny. Oh, yes. <laughs> it also <laughs> made me want to ask you a question. But you saved that until after whatever it made you want to do with your boyfriend. I think that's probably mm-hmm. right, yeah. So, Helen, answer me this. Uh, why are good-looking people, typically women, referred to as crumpet? That is a very good question, and I really struggled to find the answer. And you know how I hate to be defeated by a linguistic question, particularly one that refers to a wonderful baked good. Actually, it's not (laughs) really baked. It's sort of cooked on a griddle. What a mistake I've made. Is that right? There's no baking involved in the crumpet process at all? I don't believe so. It's like a thick pancake. Okay. So I think at its very simplest uh, form, we can say that crumpet has come to mean this because it means something tasty. Anyway, so what have you managed to deduce, even Um, if it's not the whole answer? Well, the first recorded use was in 1936, so it seems like the kind of slang where it wasn't too derogatory and it was quite schoolboyish, but it also rhymed with strumpet, which was a racy word. Yes. Now, I was wondering if there was a link there because strumpet is sort of slut, isn't it? Yes. Strumpet is quite strong and so it's less strong than that. Yeah. But it crumpet sounds... is like someone who's, who, who has a slutty side to them but yeah. perhaps could be quite pure in reality. So like Joan Bakewell, she was famously the thinking yes. man's crumpet. Yes. And so now it's like Carol Vorderman. I'd say Holly Willoughby as well. Holly Willoughby, total crumpet. Yeah. Whereas... Uh, I would say um, Pammy Anderson, mm. Strumpet. Oh, she is a mess. <laughs> no, but even in her uh, peak pert days, yeah. Strumpet, not Crumpet. Yeah, I think, yeah, because uh, yeah, there has to be a sense of inaccessibility maybe to these women. Yeah. Like, they'd be nice to you if they met you, but they wouldn't throw themselves at you. What about Trumpet? Trumpet. Is, that, is, that, is that a category? Trumpet is a woman who's very loud and you don't want to fancy. <laughs> a woman uh, who looks like she farts a lot. Yeah. Here's an email from Kieran from Bedford who raises several interesting points just in the first phrase. He says, I'm currently watching the classic Charlie's Angles. <laughs> what? Brackets, Cameron Diaz version. <laughs> That's the classic. Yeah. The McGee classic. <laughs> Kieran says this film got him thinking. Has it got all of us thinking? Because oh, yeah. it is the classic Charlie's Angles. Obtuse or acute? Can't decide. <laughs> uh, all I know is I want them to be right. It's very much Angles a- joke. <laughs> Yep. Uh, he says it got me thinking how in action films the protagonist is able to entirely defeat some villains in one punch and the villain is built like a brick shithouse answer me this where does the saying built like a brick shithouse come from <laughs> assuming brick shithouses are like outhouses I've never seen a particularly huge one you wouldn't try and punch one though would you no and I've never seen a person with cubicles inside have I got hypotenuse for you, Kieran? Oh, Angle's joke. I didn't yes. realise you had it in you, Ollie. That's amazing. Brick shit houses are larger than other shit houses. I think that's the comparison that's being made, isn't it? Not only that, more substantial. Because if you had a shit house built of the 
traditional shithouse materials of flimsy timber, board, mud, corrugated things. So it used to be that brick shithouses were genuinely a real talking point State and very, art, yeah. yeah, very impressive because they weren't going to blow down in a gust of wind or after a particularly powerful guff. Yeah. <laughs> Um, also, they're bigger than a person, aren't they? So when you yeah. say a person is built like a brick shit house... But you wouldn't say they were built like a skyscraper because that's too much. That's yeah, just, uh, too big. Exactly. Uh, right, here's a question from Christian who says, Helen, answer me this. Is the breed of dog boxer named after the athlete, a boxer, due to its smashed face? No. And just believe me when I say the explanation is obscure in that there isn't one definitive answer and the non-definitive answers are boring and the apocryphal answer is that boxer dogs used to make little boxing jabby gestures with their paws and apparently that's bullshit but that's better than the real ones which seem to be like the kind of thing where they misheard something in germany you don't want to know he's got a supplementary question helen good he says if that's the case isn't are pugs another breed with smashed faces and related to the boxers uh, named after the pugilists no can you imagine getting into a fight with a pug? That would just be the most pathetic fight. <laughs> uh, no, they're not. And again, it's not that easy to tell where why pugs are called pugs. Pugs are awesome. They're awful. They're awesome. Eyes are not meant to stick out that far. No, but they're cute, aren't they? No, they're monstrous. And they're they, funny. They, they, <sighs> that's that's a dogs. pug's breed. That's no, that's dogs. especially pugs. I mean, it's my parents' dog a bit. But she is inbred. But pugs are the worst. Pugs are one of the oldest dog breeds in the world. Pugs were bred exclusively for Chinese emperors in 700 BC. And when the Dutch went and did a lot of travelling in the Far East, they brought back pugs as a kind of very exciting trophy. So William of Orange, who then became the, the King of England in 1688, brought over his pet pugs. And then they became fashionable because the king had one. Imagine if someone now brought back a breed of dog we'd never seen before and Mm. it was as freaky looking as a pug. Imagine how big that would be on the web. So the word pug at the time meant something kind of like, you like puck in Midsummer Night's Dream, a sort of impish sprite. And I think probably people looked at the pugs and thought, that's got an impish, sprightly, disgusting, goggly-eyed face. (laughs) And the name came about that way. Puck, out of all characters in Shakespeare, would be one you really want to spend time with, was it? Oh, God, what a tool. You know, the worst thing about him is he thinks he's got a sense of humour. That's Uh, like, Titania and Oberon know they're boring. Puck, he he thinks he's so bloody clever, isn't he? Mm. And actually, all he's doing is like bog-standard practical jokes. Like, there's nothing special about it. Well, listeners, that's your lot, and you don't get another portion until next week. That's right. Unless, of course, uh, you buy one of our special albums. Yes. Uh, our Sports Day album and our Jubilee album. If you haven't listened to that, that's oh, two good. hours of new content to you. Lovely jingles in them. It's basically like the show, but in an album. If Love you like it. that, buy yeah. it. You can also buy our old episodes as well, which are like this, but older. <laughs> Full of older news. But if you want to help generate new episodes of Answer Me This, what you need to do is send us a question. And all of our contact details are listed on our website, answermethispodcast.com. Along with our Twitter and, and Facebook. Our Facebook and and uh, my Twitter's on there as well. Yeah, yeah Martin, Don't forget about me. Martin last week discovered emoji. So he's been yeah. doing some very impressive things. Hey, yeah, yeah, tweet me and I'll emoji you up to the eyeballs, dudes. Well, that is an offer that some of you will find very easy to refuse. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the rest of you, please do return next week to see what we've got to offer you. Bye! Bye.